I wanted to read some of this prophetic word for 2011 from David Herzog's ministry about the United States. He said, though the news is saying the economy is getting better, the exact opposite will prove to be true on many fronts as the economic recession increases dramatically, though God's people will actually be more blessed in the midst of this for those that are hearing what the Spirit is saying. Those that are hearing God's directives will actually prosper more in this downtime than at any other time before, similar to when Egypt was shaken, but Moses and the Israelites actually were the most blessed and protected for those that obeyed God's commands the night they left Egypt during the first Passover. And then about harvest of souls. The greatest harvest of souls will be in the secular arena. The kingdom of God will start to really invade places in the marketplace in ways unheard of before. Many Christians are looking for the next church revival when in fact the move of God in regards to souls being saved will be happening all around in the secular arenas. The only way to not miss this beginning of a great invasion of the kingdom of God and an entirely new harvest of souls is to be in the harvest and rubbing shoulders with the lost in some form infiltrating even the highest levels of secular societies and markets. Also, the wealth will be transferred from the secular markets to many of God's people for the use of the spread of the gospel. Many that are in full-time ministry, God will require of them that their other gifts be used in the secular arena simultaneously as Paul was both tent maker and apostle and his first followers like Priscilla in Italy came from his tent making business. Many in 2011 that have been preparing in the secret place for this are going to suddenly be propelled into secular places of influence and authority that will surprise many. He talked about a great revival in Russian-speaking nations. I will read this last line. He said, I was able to see the beginnings of this move firsthand this past summer as youth came from the entire Russian-speaking world totally on fire more than anything I have seen in the USA or elsewhere, for that matter, among the youth. Wow, that's amazing to me. He said some drove for days from places like Siberia just to be there. And you could drive for days in Russia and never get to the other side, you know. Hallelujah, it's huge. And then South Korea and North Korea, this is interesting, will experience another wave of a move of God as conflict intensifies. North Korea will collapse very soon and there will be one Korea. I believe God has shown me this could happen in about two years where crusades are actually occurring in what is now the North Korean capital. Hallelujah. A virtually untapped harvest field of millions of souls will open up in North Korea and going on and on about that. More and more Jewish people will start immigrating to Israel. Amazingly enough, the economy of Israel will dramatically increase despite upcoming wars which God will use to cause many more Jewish people to make A-L-Y-A-H, that's when they move back to Israel, moving to Israel eventually and will become more blessed. A time of persecution against Jewish people that is hitting many nations will start in the USA and worldwide within the next few years. That's already started. Persecution of Jews in Israel. Anti-Semitism is thick right now in America, which will be the result of a combination of blaming the Jewish people and Jewish-run banking and financial systems, and also an Israeli attack on one of her enemies, causing oil prices to rise dramatically. dramatically. There will be an increased burden from the Lord to pray for the over 5 million Jews in America for their salvation and for God's protection. And that's where we sowed our mission seed was into uh, people that are trying to reach the Jews. I believe that's a good place for to sow, sow missions offering. And also a, a great burden to pray for Israel daily will increase. And people who do this will be especially blessed as they will be touching the heart of God. 
And then listen to this. The power and presence of God will increase dramatically this year for those that purposely set aside extra time to be with God despite the temptation to get so busy so as not to reach the secret place of intimacy with God on a consistent basis. And hey, I think we're on track. I mean, I know we are with our uh, soaking meetings. We got in the presence of God Sunday night. Just took the set aside the time just to get in the presence of God. A renewed excitement in reading the Word of God. Money. And then that he gives some financial advice. Real estate. Uh, believers that have never had a business will start and create start to create businesses to finance the kingdom, even though the rate of startup of businesses will be lower than ever among the general population. Believers led by God with the favor of God will actually take the lead in successful startup businesses. And then he talks about dual passports. He's telling everybody here that uh, if you can get a pass, if you have relatives, like if you have, rel I don't think anybody here does, but if you have relatives in Israel, go ahead and get a second passport and be a dual citizen because that he says, he goes on to say that it's going to come a, what did he call that? A That it's going to lock down. There will be times that martial law sets in due to national states of emergency for periods of time, prohibiting Americans to leave the country for limited periods of time. Those with a second foreign passport will be able to easier travel back and forth. thought that was interesting. It's already starting to happen in Russia where uh, Pastor Avery, he's never had a problem till this time. And you know, right before he left, the day before he left, we were out there and he called on us to pray for him over his trip. And Pastor kept praying. Um, what was it you kept praying over and over? Strength, strength, strength. He kept praying that. And he. this is the first time he's ever gotten trouble. He got in trouble. He had to go down to immigration. He got in trouble because he's over there on a business visa. And he was preaching the gospel on a business visa. And so, and they, you know, they, and it was, it was, it was really supernatural. He, the Lord had been dealing with him for several weeks about praying the favor scriptures and praying the favor of God over himself. And so he did that before he left extensively, plus praying in the spirit. And so they came into the church and, and they said, you be it immigration or whatever office in the morning and he went and he 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 could have got sent home right then he could have got his passport revoked and everything and uh he could have got a fine and he said the pastor over there was just really shook and the pastor said the pastor said to him said uh well i'm just going to believe that they do the least thing to you that they just find you and uh, that's all and uh pastor avery said i didn't say a word i wouldn't agree with him I did not agree with the pastor, and they didn't do anything to him except make him write a letter, and they told, they dictated the letter to him and told him what to say in the letter, and, they, and then they took it back to the head guy in the back office, and then they came back out and said, you're free to go, and didn't revoke the passport. So we asked him, well, what are you going to do? And he said, they didn't tear the passport up or revoke it. I'm going again on it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. But Russia is all but shutting down to the gospel. They, are, they don't want the missionaries there. They're not. It's not free. Like, you know, it wasn't free. And people were having to go in on business passports and smuggle in Bibles. And they were running from the KGB. That was in 1990. People were sneaking in, Mack and Lynn Hammond, running from the KGB, hiding out. <laughs> Hallelujah, ministering in the underground church. And then what was it, 92 when the, I don't know when it was, but somewhere in there, when it fell, the Iron Curtain fell, and, and, and Russia was opened up for the gospel. And we went in 93, and the KGB followed us then. And uh, <coughs> they were spying on us, but they didn't bother us. But anyway, so then it's been free all these years, but now it's starting to tighten up just little by little. Because Putin is a really bad man. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. Praise God. I just wanted to read some of that to you. I think it's important that we keep up with what God's saying. Hallelujah. In the earth. And I trust this guy. I trust this prophet. Hallelujah. I trust a lot of them. But I do trust this one. Hallelujah. Let's talk about prayer tonight. And let's turn over to James 5.13. Where we've been starting every night. 
Is there anybody hot in here? Yeah, it's hot. It's hot in the face. <laughs> Praise God. I, I know y'all. Some weeks I'm cold, some weeks I'm hot. Hallelujah. But when I see y'all getting red in the face, Thank you, Lord. James 5, 13. Father, we thank you for the light of your word. We thank you, Father God, that you, we are, we, hallelujah, that we are your, mm, we're your candle. We are your, we're your light. And Lord, you're shining your light in our hearts and the word of God. And Father, even this prophet said there would be a greater revelation and a greater hunger and a greater desire and an opening up of the word of God. And we just praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, <clears throat> is any among you afflicted? Let him sing, let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the fruit brought forth, and the and the earth brought forth her fruit. Hallelujah. Well, this is an important prayer passage. And, you know, I said this before, but there is just so many ways to go on prayer, even out of this one passage here in prayer. Just this one passage in the New Testament teaches us so much about prayer. And we've been doing a little prayer school on Wednesday night, not a comprehensive prayer school like we try to do when we in ABI, but a a a but a uh, a kind of a refresher course, you might call it prayer school. And just all get refreshed on prayer. Hallelujah. And and remind ourselves of some of these truths, many of them that we probably already know, but we just remind ourselves of them. And so the Bible talks here about is any of is any let me go back. Is any among you afflicted? And that word afflicted, Brother Hagin used to always teach us, means going through a test or a trial. It's not talking about are you sick or have a sickness or a disease. He covers that down later in a few other verses. So the word afflicted there, are you going through a test or a trial? Well, I could imagine that most everybody in here could say, I'm going through a test or a trial. I thought it was interesting. I looked up in the Amplified today to read it, and it said, are any of you being ill-treated? or suffering evil. Hallelujah. So if are you going through a test or a trial? Are you being ill-treated or suffering evil? And then he tells us the solution. He says, let him pray. Let him pray. In other words, you need to do some praying yourself about that. Hallelujah. Um, you're going to be the one that's most effective. You can get people to pray with you and pray for you, but you're the one that's going to be most effective in praying here. And hallelujah. And as you pray, God's going to show you the answer, or the path, or the way out. He's going to show you whether you can do anything or whether you can't. Hallelujah. Pastor has a sermon he hadn't preached here yet. He preached it in Clanton called, I think it's 10 people or 11 or 12 or one that you can't help. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Someday maybe he'll preach it here. Anyway, they're singing his praises in Clanton about it. But uh, glory to God. Uh, you know, God will show you what, if anything, you can do about it and how for you to come out from under this test or trial, how to win. You know, there's always a way to win in Jesus Christ. He never left us without an answer. And the answer for everything is in the Word of God. And so he, the Bible says he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter what or who is thrown up against us, there's a way to triumph. You know, there's a way for the church in Egypt to triumph. There is. Amongst all of that chaos and everything that's going on, there's a way for the church to triumph. But the Bible says, are they, and they are definitely going through some trials and tribulations. It says, let them pray. Now, it's good for us to pray for them too, but they need to be praying, and I'm sure they are. And so, uh, but a lot of times people fail to do that. You'd be surprised how many people go through a test or a trial and they'll stand up in church on Wednesday night, which we don't do this, but you've been there where they did and ask other people to pray, but they never pray. And that's why it says this. And uh, you know, it says there is any Mary. 
Let him sing psalms. And I know Brother Hagin used to make this correlation that if you're real happy, that nobody can, ha can sing for you. You know, nobody can sing for you. You know, you'd be crazy if Melissa walked up to me and said, I am so happy tonight, Miss Debbie, sing for me. You know, we'd think she is nuts, but we wouldn't think any bad thing about it if she, we, if she walked in the back door just to singing. Hallelujah, sometimes I sing in the halls of the church just as I'm walking through. Hallelujah. Because I'm happy and I'm rejoicing. Or sometimes I'm just walking by faith and I'm singing, you know. Hallelujah. Because a good way to get out of the dumps and the doldrums and to get merry is to go ahead and by faith start singing before you are merry. Start rejoicing before you are. Start giving thanks before you have the answer. Start praising Him, hallelujah, that in Christ we're free. And sometimes people are waiting to feel it. And they're waiting to have it. And they're, they're, they're just, you know, they're just waiting. They're waiting for God to do something when God's already done everything He's going to do, hadn't He? Hallelujah. And we're already victorious in Him. And we're already free in Him. And we're already healed in Him. And so we need to do our own rejoicing. And we need to do the majority of our own praying. And we all need the body of Christ, but hallelujah. You know, Brother Hagin used to say, I don't know why I'm on him tonight, but he's a good one to be on. But uh, anyway, he used to say that, um, that people would say, Brother Hagin, I need to come in and counsel with you. You know, he was pastoring before he was traveling. And he, they'd say, he, he'd say, okay, you know, okay, we'll set that up. And he said, but, on, on, but uh, every Sunday night at their church, I believe it was Sunday night, they had all come up around the altar and pray. Everybody come up around the altar and pray. And he would say that 99% of the time, 99% of the time, after they came up around the altar and did their own praying, afterwards he'd say, well, what about that? When did you want to come in? And they'd say, oh, never mind, Brother Hagin. God, God showed me while I was, God showed me tonight up at the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to do some of our own praying. If we're going through a trial or a tribulation, we need to set aside some special time to do some praying. Give some extra time over there to praying it out. Hallelujah. So we're moving on down through here. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? He tells us what to do if they're sick. Now, uh, going back to Brother Hagin, but there's also a version, one version, I can't remember which version it is, says uh, that, word there, that word there means beyond helping oneself. If you're sick, and you can get sick and get beyond helping yourself. And I'm not even talking about having a terminal disease. Of course, that could put you beyond helping yourself, absolutely. But sometimes just from a, a, a nasty cold or something, you can just get where I can't, I just, I just can't get my faith wrapped around this. For whatever reason, you know, you feel horrible, you, uh, and the devil's, de the devil, the devil's whipping you. Hallelujah. The devil's a whipping you. And the Bible says you need to call. I think that's so important. You just don't know how many times we hear, well, you know, brother so-and-so's been in the hospital for five days up there at DCH. And I'm like, and he's our church member and he never called. Hallelujah. Or she never called. And you know, you're supposed to do the calling. Now, unless you don't have breath or you don't have a, I don't even, you know, I think that I, I like to be scriptural. I think it's important that we follow the Bible literally. I think it's important we believe the Bible literally. And sometimes, you know, we let the, our, our husband or our wife do our calling when we really could talk on the phone. You know what I'm saying? I believe it's important. I believe it's important. So anyway, I won't go into that. I won't, I won't step on your toes and beat you up too bad tonight. But uh, it says, let him call for the elders. That'd be the pastors. That's the pastors of the church. We've taught on that before. And let them pray. That could be more than one pastor, not just him. But it could be if there was a church that had associates and so forth. Call for the elders of the church. You don't have to, you know, if pastor ever sends his associate, don't be offended. I don't know why I'm saying this, but there will be a day, and there's even been days now when, well, don't be offended. And don't be offended if he don't come if you don't call. Because he probably thinks you've got it under control. Hallelujah. In other words, I'm okay. I'm just in here for tests. This ain't First Baptist. We're not going to sit there and hold your hand while you have tests. Woo! 
Now I'm meddling. I know. Hallelujah. And I don't expect you to come up and sit and hold my hand while I have tests either. And I'm not going to have any tests. We all renounce that in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, So he says, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Well, you know, if you're called and you go somewhere, you're not in a church service. You you walk in and uh, maybe or maybe not, the anointing's probably not there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the anointing's always residing on the inside of us, but as far as the atmosphere being full of the anointing, it's not going to be up at DCH. Hallelujah. You know that. So uh, that's why it says to anoint with oil. Anointing with oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Give you confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, but if we're in a church service, sometimes we do anoint with oil, but most time the anointing's here. And you can feel it, and I can feel it, and we don't even have to anoint with oil. It's not required that you anoint with oil in a service. Okay? And so talk about that a little bit, but we're not going to go into that. We're talking about prayer, but that is prayer. And then it goes on and says, uh, and the Lord shall raise him up. It doesn't say he might raise him up. He says he shall. He shall raise him up. Anoint him with oil, and he shall raise him up. You know, if you don't have enough faith to call... And the pastor finds out about it through the grapevine, and then he goes up there and says, Well, you know, um, I heard you were sick. I came and I want to pray for you. And boy, you don't even have enough faith to turn the TV off. You don't, you think I'm kidding, but we've been in many a hospital room where they didn't even bother to turn the TV off. And where it's four deep with unbelieving kin folks. If you want to know why Jesus put them out, hallelujah. Because you're going to die because of their unbelief. And they're over there patting and crying on you and, you know, and piled up in the corner with pillows and sleeping bags and candy wrappers and Coke bottles piled all around them. Boy, they've set up camp. Hallelujah. Good good reason to get out of work for three days. Right, Miss Jean? Hallelujah. She's about there. She knows them how sometimes they won't off work at Pfeiffer. Go sit at the hospital with their kinfolks. Not doing them a frazzling bit of good. If anything, hurting them. Hallelujah. Pastor went in the hospital and was in West Texas. I didn't even call them. I called one church member and our pastors in Odessa. Our, our pastors were in Odessa, Texas. I called them, and I called one church member in our church, and they rode with us up there, took care of our kids. And it's like, well, why don't you love your family? Yeah, I love them, but I didn't want their unbelief around me. I didn't want it for pastor, and I didn't want it for me. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to discuss what the doctor said. Hallelujah. And you know what? They got over it. And I did call the next day and told them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you want to stay or you want to go. Sometimes you got to make up your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it says here, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now that is a six-month course right there that we are going to take in this church eventually on why you are sick. Hallelujah. There's a reason he said that. Boy, we us word of faithers, we jump right over that. We don't, Miss Jean, we don't like to talk about that part. We hold our finger over that part. That anything we could have done could have caused sickness to come in our lives or anything we're doing or any part about even uh, how we, uh, our inner self, our soul. I'm not talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your soul. You know, having that, having old unforgiveness in there, having all sorts of stuff, having a, um, uh, like, you know, I told you last week, the Lord, I said, Lord, why am I do? Why do I always do that? And he said, disappointment. And disappointment is a sin. Why? You say, well, Miss Debbie, I don't understand why disappointment is a sin. You have a right to be disappointed in some things, but disappointment is a sin because it's saying, God, you didn't live up to what I thought you were going to do. And, and, and Lord, it's not fair. It's really, a, it's not fair that I'm having to go through this. And, and, and I'm, and you know, it's all, it's all around, you know, what it's all about is me, me, me. 
Hallelujah. So I had to do some repenting about having that disappointment in my life. And you know, some of us have got stuff that we've let grow for years and years and years. And I've been under the Holy Ghost spotlight for three weeks now. God's just been cleaning out my soul. Hallelujah. I'm changed. I'm different. I can't hardly, I just, you just cannot even imagine. I know, I just can't, I can't, the things I was so, you know, a lot of times we're just blind, but if we will get before the Holy Ghost, and I'll tell you what, you get to doing this soaking prayer stuff, and the Holy Ghost will start saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, let me show you something. Let me show you a little something there, where you're, where you, uh, uh, guilt, things that, you know, guilt can cause, is it anything that's a wound to your soul, any wounds to your soul that you hadn't dealt with, open door for sickness to come in. Hallelujah. It's really important that we be um, the that we be uh, daily before the spotlight of God and letting him, you know, uh, in the Lord's prayer it says and the Lord's prayer is a daily thing cuz we know that because it says give us this day our daily bread. So the Lord's prayer is a daily thing. In other words, it, it, it there's an implica- implication there that we're going to pray every day, isn't there? And so it says there uh, it says, uh, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's not the one I want. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so there's a, there's a place there where we're supposed to go before God on a daily basis and see if there's anything he needs to forgive us for. And then 1 John 1, 9 says, if you, if you, have, if you have sin, then you're supposed to confess your sin. And uh, and uh, he will cleanse you from all. He will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that unrighteousness is not in your spirit, but it's in your soul. And you get a build up, and first thing you know, you'll have you'll be you'll be sick. You'll have sickness in your body. And so that's what this is talking about here, and we don't have time to go into it tonight. But uh, you can begin to think about it, and we're going to have a series on it sometime when we have time to study all that out and get it all wrote down. <laughs> And then he says, confess your faults one to another. I'm thinking, now, Lord, I was thinking to myself, now, I know I need to confess to you and get cleansed from all unrighteous, but why in the world would you want me to confess to others? And he talked to me about pride. Hallelujah. He talked to me about that. The reason a lot of times he has us confess to others, and it's not always about them, but to just say, you know, I know I told Pastor, well, you know, I didn't realize this was in my life, and I confessed some things to him as the Holy Ghost began to show show me some attitudes of the heart and some things. And uh, it's because it's like we the natural tendency is to want to hide our sin because we've got pride and there you go with another whole form of sin and then you know and so God wants you the point is God wants to heal you and he wants you to get clean so he can not that he um not that he, he's already born and he's already paid the price and you don't have to beg him for it, none of that. But you've got to, he puts the, he puts healing when he, when you, when he puts healing inside your body, it's in your spirit. We can prove that in Romans. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. So healing comes from your spirit. Healing doesn't come from the outside in, it comes from the inside out. And so if, there, if you've got, uh, healing's been put in your spirit, but it, it's got to go through your soul to get to your body. And so if the soul's all clogged up with unforgiveness, God told us to forgive so we could get our prayers answered. Or if we're clogged up with bitterness or guilt or hatred, and you know, you know and um, hallelujah, praise God. And you know, it's amazing how quick and easy you can get into hatred and how we have to guard about against that. Hallelujah. It's easy to hate. And if I'll tell you how to know if you're in hatred, if you've got hatred towards anybody or any people group even, is if if it would if it would suit you fine and you'd be kinda if they just disappeared. In other words, you wouldn't say it, but hallelujah then you are, have already gone to the point of hatred. You've passed unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment, and now you're down to hatred. And so, uh, hallelujah, I, don't, I can tell you, all don't really want to talk about this tonight. So, okay, we're going to go on. Hallelujah. Then we go on here, and uh, it says, uh, 
Hallelujah, though, for the last part, it says if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven them. Isn't that good? Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Glory to God. So we'd get down there to the part about effectual prayer. I want to stay on that a little bit tonight. You know, the most effective prayer, hallelujah, Hallelujah. Probably if you just had to pick one type of prayer that's the most effective overall, you would have to say praying in tongues is the most effective prayer of all. Because it is completely and totally without human error. You cannot ask amiss praying in tongues. When you don't know how to pray as you ought, you, you can pray in tongues and pray effectively. And he said, the prayer, uh, the, the confess your fault and pray one for another that you may be healed. If I, he said, that kind of prayer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hallelujah. So that's effectual prayer. Uh, I want to go back up. I kind of missed a part there. The prayer of faith, verse 15, shall save. I wanted to tell you one thing about that word save. You've heard it before, but let me remind you. It's that the word save is sozo. And it means deliverance, preservation, soundness of mind, healing, material deliverance, protection, do well and make whole. So I just want to make this connection here with this whole verse that he's talking there about the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man, that the prayers of a righteous man... Uh, a righteous man can pray and obtain the blessings that we just talked about. To be people to be delivered, preserved, and so forth. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about, and I'm kind of, because I'm kind of hitting some points tonight that I want to hit a lot of points in there, about prayer is joining forces with God to carry out His will in the earth. Hallelujah. And that even includes when you're praying for yourself. You're not begging God to do something, but you're joining forces with Him by the Holy Ghost to get done in your own life what He wants to get done. God moves in response in the earth to His covenant partner's prayers. And so that would explain to you why a lot of things don't get done. If His covenant partners aren't praying. If His covenant partners... if, if there, You know, there's families where there's no one in the family to pray. Not one person in the family is a prayer. And God even goes back several generations. Did you know He goes back to the prayers? Like if my, I know my great-grandmother and my grandmother prayed prayers that I'm still reaping the benefit of today. Prayer doesn't cease to be just because they changed residences and moved to heaven. And so when there's a family of prayers, the Bible talks about how He blesses the righteous to the thousandth generation. And sometimes God can't find them. And then it says that the, that the, he, that the curses come upon the family of those that hate God uh, to the third and fourth generation. Hallelujah. So praise God. He, do, he looks for somebody to pray. He, the Bible says in Ezekiel that I, he looked for a man to stand in the gap. And he couldn't find one. And so, you know, sometimes things happen in families and you go, why did that young person die in a wreck and so forth? He couldn't find anybody to stand in the gap. He couldn't find anybody to stop it. Somebody had to stop what was going to happen that day. Somebody had to pray. Somebody had to stop it because Satan's the God of this world system and he has a right to operate here. He has a right to kill, steal, and destroy unless somebody stops him. But God gave us the authority to stop things. Amen? Hallelujah. And so sometimes you can drive down the road and see an ambulance and you can stop you can stop it. You know, not every time could you stop it. Depending on you know, we don't know all the circumstances of their life and what they've said and what they've set into motion by their words. And when people have set things in motion by their words and start, you know, or they you know, if it's a child and their mother starts saying, Oh, they're gonna die, they're gonna die, they're gonna die. Her authority will override your authority. But if they if you can knock them out, sometimes you just see somebody like that, you just want to get a club and knock them out, just a little bit unconscious, so you can speak and take the authority and stop what the devil's trying to do and then wake them up later. Hallelujah. So carry a hammer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But I mean, sometimes that it would help if we could do that. But sometimes they, their authority will usurp your authority over their own child. Do y'all see that? Okay, so uh, uh, a victorious prayer life will be based on the Word of God. 
So we need to know the Word and we need to know how to pray in the Spirit if we're going to have effectual prayer. Because that's the only two things that are going to be effective is the Word of God and praying in the Spirit. And there's some things you don't even know how to apply the Word of God to. For instance, right now over in Egypt, we don't have a clue how to pray. I don't care what you say, you don't have a clue how to pray. You don't know whether what to pray. Because especially in these end times, because sometimes God's initiating things. And we don't know if God, and you know the government doesn't know. They don't know if this Mubarak, whatever his name is, Mubarak, they don't know whether to keep him. And he's horrible. He's a dictator and he violates all their human rights, murders his own people and stuff. That's pretty bad. But if they get rid of him, they don't know if they're going to get the Muslims. In a, and, uh, and they're going to, it's going to be, then Israel, like, like Louise was telling me, Israel will be surrounded by her enemies. We don't know what the will of God is. There's only one way to pray, folks. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Hallelujah. And there's Christians over there. And there's Americans that are trying to get out and over there. You know, and there's uh, Americans that aren't trying to get out because it's the, their job. They sent them. You know, Shep, uh, Shepherd Smith, he got sent to Egypt. I like him. Y'all know who I'm talking about on Fox? He graduated from Ole Miss. That's why I like him. Yeah, he graduated. He's Southern. He graduated from Ole Miss. And so I just, I just like him because he, he, he's Southern, you know. He is now. He's over, they sent him over there and uh, to cover it, you know. He's a news guy. They don't, you never know when they're going to go. And so, uh, praise God. So we got to pray in the Spirit for Egypt. Israel, we don't know how to pray for Israel except one thing we know. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's all we know, though, is that. And, and, how, and then how in the world do you pray for the peace of Jerusalem? How many times can you say, Lord, please bring peace to Jerusalem? So what we have to do, we have to pray in the Spirit. Don't we? Hallelujah. Thank God you can pray in the Spirit. God has given you something that's so priceless and so precious. And you know, hallelujah. And there's 500 million people in the earth that, are, speak, that speak in tongues. And if all 500 million of them would start praying in tongues, whew, guess what would happen? Man, if just 100 million would. Hallelujah. But we got too many undercover Spirit-filled people. I mean, you know, either you love God and you're not ashamed of the gospel or you're not, or, you know, praise God. John 15, let's turn there. I'm going to go to the Amplified Bible. So, learning about prayer and learning to love to pray. Because prayer, contrary to what the devil says, is not hard. It's not hard. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost takes hold together with us. And he does. He don't send us out there alone to do it and to figure it out, but he takes hold together with us. And if you're ever praying and you don't feel like he is, you're either only on the wrong track or you're praying amiss. He's not going to take hold together with you if you're praying a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about tongues there. I'm just talking about, you know, did you ever just pray around the world and get nothing done? Hallelujah. I know I have. John 15, 7 in the, in the Amplified. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me. If you live in me. This is talking about not just being born again, but being vitally united to him. My words remain in you. Not just you heard the word once, but they remain in you. And continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. When you when you bear, produce much fruit. My Father is honored and glorified, and you know and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. The Weiss translation says, If you maintain a living communion with me, and my words are at home in you. If you maintain a living communion with me, that means you're, there's maintenance to do in our Christian life. It's not walk down the aisle one time and shake the preacher's hand and join the church and, 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 and pray the prayer of salvation. That's how I did it. Uh, well, actually, that isn't how I did it. But uh, I did have to do that. You know, in the Baptist church, you can't get saved at home. You've got to walk down to the front of the church, even if you do it after 
you know, and you have to join the church, you know. And so that's how I, I got saved at home, my grandparents' home. And then the next morning, my grandparents were like, well, man, she has got to walk down to the front of the church. And my grandmother said, I'll go with you. I mean, you are going to get to the front of the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, it's true, I'm telling you. And uh, so, but you, there's a maintenance that goes on after that. And I'll tell you, until that, that was 1964. And I didn't ever, I wouldn't say I backslid or fell away from God, but I certainly didn't grow or I didn't really have a living communion with Him, really, until 1980 when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost and got a living communion with Him. I was just kind of existing as a Christian. I went to church, but nothing really ever stirred up except one time back in the 72. In 1972, they had a lay witness revival. Anybody remember those? Had a lay witness revival in our uh, church. The Methodists were famous for it. Leanne was Methodist. Hallelujah. And it really, what it was, was spirit-filled people came in and tried to stir up these churches. And God, you know, He worked every way He could and got as many people baptized in the Holy Ghost as He could. But boy, I tell you that, so, you know, we, uh, our church got stirred a little bit there in Seagraves. And they sang some songs we hadn't heard before. I remember they sang that, uh, oh, Noah, he got him, uh, Arky, Arky, or I don't even remember, you know. We sang that, and boy, they all thought, oh, isn't that fun, you know. You know, and so, uh, uh, and we sang, and they got the whole church to singing. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. About three weeks after that, was over, the deacon board said, we can shut that up. We ain't singing that song no more, and we ain't, hallelujah. Ooh, it's twice dead. It is twice dead now. Hallelujah. Don't tell God no. Hallelujah. You tell God no. See, we don't think, you know, we read about in the Old Testament how he wrote Ichabod on stuff. We don't think he does that anymore. But just, and I'm not talking about the people. He can love the people and they can be born again. But he's not, he, he, it's like what somebody said, he only goes to some churches because he has to. Because he said in his word, if two or more gathered in my name. So he has to show up. He doesn't have a choice, but sometimes some churches he goes to because he wants to. And that's if the people and the leaders will let him move. Sometimes the leader wants to let him move, but the people are locked down. Or, but sometimes the people want him to move, but the leadership says no. And God will not violate the authority in that church. If the deacon board's the authority, even though that's not how God set it up, if the deacon board is the authority, he will not violate it. And they say no tongues, bless God, God's not going to try to give anybody a tongue. And if anybody speaks in tongues, and truly in God's eyes, they're out of order. They're out of divine order because you should follow whatever the leadership says. Hallelujah. I didn't mean to cover that, but maybe somebody needed it. Anyway, uh, where are we? We're in John 15, 7. The uh, New American Bible says, if my words stay part of you, stay part of you. Hallelujah. So we're continually, uh, we want the Word built into our spirits. We don't want to have a casual knowledge of the Word of God. We want it built into our spirits. Amen. So that means we're going to have to take some time in the Word. Uh, the K&L translation, which I really don't know what that is, but it says, as long as you remain united to me. In 1 John five fourteen, we talked about this a little bit last week. 1 John 5, verse 14. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Now, I tell you what, um, I, like, I tell you what, I like having confidence in God. And you can build yourself into total confidence in God just from this scripture because the, the way you're going to have confidence in Him is to know that you're asking according to His will. When the way you know you're asking according to His will is two ways. Number one, is it in the Word? And number two, or if you're praying in tongues, you are asking according to His will. Okay? And so you can have total confidence that your prayers are being answered. And so it, uh, it takes some time sometimes. It says uh, here, uh, some examples of that, 
about is wrong praying. We talked about this a little bit last week. Is bless so and so. That, you know, it's not that that's so bad, but it just don't do anything. Lord, bless so and so. Well, you know, that's a lazy man's prayer, isn't it? First of all, Ephesians 1 3, if they're a Christian, they're already blessed. Hallelujah. We're already blessed. So why are we asking? You know, who is it? I don't know who it was, but said most Christians spend most of the time praying for things they've already got. Hallelujah. And so we're already blessed if we're Christians. So we need to be, we need to take the time to find out. How about this one? Lord, help me. Any of you ever prayed that? Lord, help me. Well, we need to be, there's nothing wrong with asking God to help you, but you need to be specific about what do you want him to help you with? Because you say, Lord, help me, and you're mean in finances, and he comes over here and helps you. He helps you uh, pray for Israel. And you won't even know that he helped you that day. In fact, you'll think he failed you. Hallelujah. So if you're specific about what you are wanting help on, you'll know when he answers. Amen. So be specific when you ask. Hallelujah. You want, Lord, I need a, I need, a, I need a transportation. You better be careful. You might get a bicycle. You might get a golf cart. I'm actually wanting one. Hallelujah. You might get a, you know, a moped, a motorcycle. Some of you'd be glad. That'd be okay, huh? Yeah, but that's just because you have a car. You know, hallelujah. That'd be okay since you have a car. But if you didn't even have a car or the car wouldn't run and you had four kids, that wouldn't be okay, would it? No, no. In fact, if you... Uh, if, they, if you got a little bug like they drive, hallelujah, and you got four kids, you wouldn't be happy. You would, and, some, and the kids wouldn't be happy either. Hallelujah. So you got to be specific. How about this? That's, that's only praying when we're in trouble. How do you think God feels about that? I know. And selfish prayers, praying about only about what you need and want. You know, uh, the Bible says Job, uh, God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Uh, selfish, oh, I already did that one. How about this, Lord, make me humble. I'm telling you, that is so an open door for the devil. It is, it is an open door for the devil to come in and give you something that'll humble you. Besides all that, the Bible's God's never going to humble you. The Bible says for you to humble yourself. Okay, how about this? We've talked about this a lot. If it be thy will. We never pray if it be thy will except one time. It, that's on the prayer of consecration or some people call it the prayer of dedication. In other words, um, if you don't know the will of God yet and maybe you feel a stirring in your heart that he wants you to go to Africa to the mission field, then you would pray, now, Lord, I'm willing to go. You just show me your will. If it be your will, I'll go. But I need to know your will in this. So you're asking for the will of God and you're saying, I'm willing if this is your will. And so it's okay, but it's not you don't continue to pray it. You get in there and pray out the plans in the spirit and find out what the will of God is. In fact, don't pray, don't pray anything and ask God for anything until you know his will. Don't ask, because I have set myself, and, and you know, I'm not saying I've always passed this test, but I've set myself to never pray a prayer God couldn't answer. And so sometimes I have to think about what I'm fixing to pray and say, God, now, is it even possible for you to answer this? And God doesn't break people's will. That's one of the things you have to take into consideration. Yeah, He won't break their will and make them do something they don't want to do. You know, uh, but there's no other. Sometimes there's another way to pray the same prayer and get the same results you're wanting, but you don't. You pray it a different way. How about this? An I'm so unworthy prayer, and God goes gag me with a stick. I mean, if you're born again, He's sitting up there like this is. This makes me mad. I gave my son on the cross and he shed his blood and I made them the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And by the blood of the, the, the lamb, they are worthy. And, and you're saying, Lord, I'm so unworthy. I was taught in Sunday school that, if, if, that to be humble meant to say, God, I am so unworthy. That that was being humble. 
And it's not. It's not being humble. It's being stupid. And so we don't say, I'm so unworthy. I don't care how you feel. We've all felt unworthy. And in one sense, if you compare us to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but we're not comparing our natural self to Him. We are who we are in Christ. It's who I am in Christ, okay? Uh, and then how about this? Oh, Lord, please hear me. The Bible says His ear is attentive. Hallelujah to your prayers. It insults Him when you ask Him to hear your prayer. Amen? Well, you know, we do these things because we hadn't been taught or we've been religiously brainwashed instead of spiritually taught. But now we're getting taught, so don't do it no more. And we talked about last week, don't pray, dear Jesus. Not in this church. Amen? Our mind will take you out behind the woodshed out back. Hallelujah for saying, dear Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, you can talk to Jesus in your personal prayer time. Jesus, I love you, and I just thank you for being in my life. And just have the biggest conversation you want to with Jesus but, and the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit. But when you go to ask something, you ask the Father in Jesus' name. That's what the Bible says to do. How, how many of you know we're sticklers for the Bible around here? Hallelujah. And, and, you know, we have grace in our hearts. Sometimes we run up on a baby Christian. But sometimes, I know I, we were with somebody the other day, not somebody in this church, but very mature Christian, very Christ-like, and they prayed that way. Well, they hadn't been taught, and that's okay. God help us, you know. Amen. Most people try to talk God into doing something that He already said in His Word He wants to do. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, save my kids. We don't need to talk. We, that is useless to ask God to save your kids. Hallelujah. You've got to pray how He said to pray for the harvest. First of all, He said, one of the things He said is pray that the Lord will thrust out labors into the harvest or pray the Lord of the harvest for, for labors to be sent out into the harvest. So the first thing you need to do to pray for your kids is ask for God to send a labor across their path. Hallelujah. And then you can always pray in tongues. And then you can pray Ephesians that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened that they might know what is the hope of their calling and what the riches of the glory of their inheritance in saints and the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. Because they're just been... And then you can bind the mind blinder. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes. And you can bind Satan from blinding their eyes. And, and you, so there's ways to pray, but it's not, Oh God, save my kids. Hallelujah. So a lot of times, uh, you know, in trying to talk God into doing something, that's the wrong approach. Hebrews eleven six: without faith it's impossible to please God. Hallelujah. If you, first of all, if it's not His will, you're never going to talk Him into doing it. And number two, if it is His will, you don't have to talk Him into doing it. Is that correct? Hallelujah. So we approach God in faith. So the majority of your prayer time is going to be, you know what? The more I grow in God, the majority of my prayer time is worship and soaking and then praying in tongues. And less, and some confession, but I used to be a confession machine. In fact, I spent so much time confessing that I didn't have time for anything else. <laughs> you know, oh God, I'm just confessing money cometh. Oh, money cometh. Hallelujah. But I found out we don't have to beg God to supply our need. Hallelujah. If we'll just obey God. Yeah, if we'll just get in and obey God. Most of the reason we're not having what we need is because we really hadn't been obeying God. Or we're going through a test or a trial and this too shall pass. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, uh, hallelujah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Hallelujah. That sounded like Forrest Gump.